My name is Monica Gleiberman, and you're listening to Silence Onset Podcast. On today's podcast, we're talking to the cast of Tulsa King, Paramount Plus's new show, which follows the release of a prisoner and previous mafia member, Dwight the General, is exiled to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where he builds a new criminal empire with a group of unlikely characters. So to talk about the show, first up is Andrea Savage. Taylor Sheridan's writing is obviously a never-ending list of strong female characters. Can you tell us how Stacey Beale continues this tradition? Well, I would say that Stacy kind of is mirroring Dwight's character in terms of also being at sea in her life and reassessing sort of how did she get to this point in her life and just desperately wanting connection and intimacy with some support system because she has been unable to do it. I will say I've never met Taylor and the Terry Winter really wrote all the scripts. So, um, uh, you know, I think that's why this show's going to be, a, you know, it's a little different than Taylor's other shows. When you've got the script and you hear that Stacey's kind of like a borderline character, as an actor, how do you prep for that? Because it's a fine line between does she go too far? Does she stay on the right side? What are the moral aspects that she kind of struggles through with season one? I mean, it definitely was a process because we were figuring out, you know, I only, we only kind of knew the first couple scripts and the writers were still writing through the whole season. So it was kind of just trying to make sure everything was grounded in some reality. And I was very lucky that Terrence Winter was very gracious and open to some creative input. And we really kind of tried to make sure that everything rang true as we were going through and make sure stuff was nuanced. So it didn't go in one sort of way that you're like going, that doesn't make sense. We really tried to ground every moment in something very real. Did you ever imagine that you would be able to pick that brand of humor into a production at this level? And what does it mean for you? You know, I guess maybe I did. I, but I didn't think it was going to happen with this group of people. You know, I definitely was sitting in Oklahoma going, how did I get, like, I'm looking across at Sylvester Stallone in Oklahoma and Taylor Sheridan, Terrence Winter drama. I was like, how did this happen? I'm like, where are my dick jokes? Um, but I, um, you know, I think Terrence Winter is really open to, he likes to use people who do comedy. He's done it with Ray Romano, James Gandolfini, Martin Starr, me. And, you know, I think he's really good at knowing people who, when they do their comedy, they play it very grounded and real. And I think when you're able to do that, you also are able to do drama. Um, so I was very appreciative that he had that faith in me. And um, it was after, I'm sorry, I really wanted to do a drama. This is like the thing I was looking to do was a drama. So it all kind of happened and it was, I'm very excited. Is Stacey Dwight's Desdemona? Just without spoiling anything, can we define the relationship as pretty much a mix between passion and mistrust? I think that's a very uh, good description of their of their relationship. Yes. Yes. Without saying anything else. No, I think that is valid. And I think it's two people, again, who are at sea, who are reassessing their lives. They've both been cast, you know, sort of cast into Oklahoma from New York. 
and they relate and connect in ways that other people there they don't connect to on a on a deeper level. But she is an ATF agent, and he is a monster. It's so fun to see Stacy and Dwight kind of interact. As a comedian, what was it like to bring that to Sylvester Stallone? So what was like your first initial reaction and how did it go with you guys working together? I will say we had never met before and we were doing the strip club scene first. And it was me like walking up to him and being like, this is cool to you. You know what I mean? Like, and then asking him to go home. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, like what's about to happen? This is like, I was very, I was intimidated and I'm not someone who gets intimidated, but it was so outside of my world. So we were talking through the scene because we were like, eh, maybe this part doesn't work. Let's kind of, so he, he said something where he kind of like pretended to like straighten his tie, but it wasn't wearing a tie. And I made fun of him a little bit in the scene. I was like, oh, is this this guy? You don't even have a tie. And uh, he laughed. And then I felt like all the ice was broken and he was like, I like her, you know? And I was like, okay, he's funny. And we kind, and he loves comedy. And so I think he has a real respect for people who do comedy and it broke the ice. And then we were kind of off to the races, but I was legitimately nervous. What would you say is the most important thing that we need to know about Stacey Beale? I think the important thing you need to know about Stacey Beale is that she is very much struggling in her life to keep her head above water and figure out how she got to her 40s with no family, no real friends, not really knowing who she is and having no one really to rely on. What kind of preparation or training did you do to become an ATF agent? You know, I did gun training. I went to the range in Oklahoma, which literally is just Stepping outside your door, everything's a gun gun range there. No. Um, but I did fire guns and really, you know, you have to really do it and be like, God, there really is a lot of power in that. Like, these are not jokes. These are not, because you can sometimes go on set and you just kind of do it and it's kind of fake. But it was like, there's a kick and it's powerful, you know. Um, and I also did a lot of research on, like I was talking about, like the crime that is in actually Oklahoma. Like, what are ATF agents investigating? And it is a lot of, like, white supremacy and a lot of motorcycle gangs and a lot of, um, you know, people who are not open to differences and people who, you know, in drugs and, you know, violent. I want to ask you for the show, what would you like to tease or what are you most excited about for us to see? I'm excited just to, honestly, because... This is so different than when you do a comedy, when you know if a comedy works right away, you know, it's either funny or not. You're kind of, you know, putting all your faith in these people um, and going, I hope this works, you know, and I, and Stacy's kind of on an island. So I wasn't working with a lot of the other actors. So I haven't seen most of the show. Um, and so personally, I'm excited to just, See how it all comes together. Often in shows where there's a younger woman character paired with an older gentleman, that becomes part of the conversation outside of the show. On this show, it's also a topic of conversation on the show itself. So how would you describe what goes on the show and speak to any naysayers who might want to poke at it before they get to know the show? I mean, the fact is, is she thinks he's younger than he is and finds out how old he is and is like, oh shit, I'm out of here. 
which for me personally as an actress, if that wasn't in there, I think it would have been difficult for me to take this role because I was like, I, I would have been one of those naysayers to go like, come on, no one's talking about this. It's just, we're all pretending this is normal and nobody addresses it. I was like, I loved that it was addressed. It was uh, scary because I was like, oh God, I have to say this to Sylvester Stallone's face. Um, you know, but he was great. And obviously we knew it was in the script. So, you know, listen, Stacy's a flawed person and she's just looking for a connection and they connect on a deeper level. And I think she thought he was younger and then that causes a conundrum for her, you know, as does when she finds out what he does for a living. So she, you know, kind of backs off. What was it about Taylor Sheridan or Terrence Winter's writing that you knew you could trust the words that were on the page? Um, well, one, when you read it, you're like, this rings true and authentic. And also trusting their experience. You know, I truly, you just have to go and go, this is Terrence Winter. He knows what he's doing. And I have to, and sometimes, and I'm not always great at this, of putting my faith that other people have stuff under control. Cause I like on my own show, I did everything. And so it's sometimes hard for me to go on something and just be an actor. Um, but it really was going, this is Terrence Winter. This is Taylor Sheridan. They know what they're doing. Dramas are a different beast. I have to put faith that it does come to, you know what I mean? That it's all, somebody knows what they're doing. And um, I think it's just, their work speaks for themselves going in. And my final question is about Stacy. So for you, how was it in terms of her arc? And are there any surprises you think we will end up seeing or surprise decisions Stacy might be making this season? Yeah, I think there's some surprises along the way that I even think, uh, you know, the crew, you can always tell when a script comes out and the crew reads it and they're like, whoa, okay, Stacy. You know, and you're like, oh, all right, that's going to, you know, yeah. I think there's a couple couple moments. Up next is the general himself, Sylvester Stallone. This is a well-thought-out, very well-rounded character for you. Was there something that you added or maybe tweaked a little bit to Dwight? What you're seeing actually is the hardest thing to do, which is to be yourself. This is the way I am around my house. This is the way I'm with my wife and my daughters. And I thought this would be a challenge to have a gangster who is like your friendly uncle. You know, you just don't know until you push his gangster button, and that's a whole other thing. And at first, people go, I don't know about this. This is not dark enough. Taylor goes, oh, I want it really serious. I said, well, I'm not that guy. Uh, I, I, I played the serious role. I can be as dark as you can possibly want, but I want this... I don't want to be like Rambo or any other things. I want this to be kind of odd. Like This is refreshing in a way that you have a guy who actually doesn't want to hurt anybody. He really doesn't. That's why he says to the car dealer, it really wasn't necessary. This wasn't necessary at, at all. And then he's eating ice cream. He's just that kind of guy. And so, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It was kind of thought out. It was a little daring to go out on a, on a limb like that to play yourself. Trust me, it's not easy. <laughs> Were you allowed to go off script a little bit? And if so, can you kind of talk about it? It's almost like ah, flying a plane and all of a sudden you see turbulence. You go, oh man, I got to avoid this. I'm going to go around it. I'm going to raise and lower. And sometimes, you know, at first they said, you can't do this. I go, 
yeah, I can. It, it's just, that's what I've always done with Rocky and Rambo, whatever. I always go off, just add a little spin or a little, a little wise crack at the very end of something. And to me, that brings it, it makes it fresh. Because, guys, imagine saying the same line 10 times in a row. After a while, you begin to question your sanity. And then we just throw something in. I tell other actors, too. I say, just add an extra two words in there, and it's going to throw the whole rhythm off, and you'll feel refreshed. So, yeah, the answer is I went off script all the time. You always say that you want to play a gangster and you finally have this role. What was the whole process of this? What was in your mind when you started reading the script? Well, in the original idea, he was pretty thuggish. He was a guy who lived in an apartment and the opening scene is like he, he shoots a, a mirror out by accident and he starts to threaten his neighbors. Hey, shut up. I didn't do nothing kind of a thing. I said, whoa. And then he goes out there and he starts to take over strip joints by hitting guys in the head with champagne bottles. I go, that's not cool at all. I don't like that. So we added the aspect that how about he's been in prison? How about he kept his mouth shut? How about he was loyal? And actually, you'll find out he didn't even deserve to be in prison, but he still, he kept his mouth shut. And then he's supposed to be given a reward, like everyone who followed the rules is expected to get, and it's denied. So everyone is going to be empathetic to his cause, like Jesus, even no honor among thieves. And when he's thrown out there, you actually have to see a guy either succumb to loneliness or build a whole new infrastructure without Italians, without the, without the guys he thought were his buddies, with cowboys and Indians and nerds and computer geeks and this, you name it. And that becomes his new family. And that that was, we all finally agreed on that. And it, it I think it turned out pretty well. Do you think in all the deals that are being made in the first episode, does Dwight feel that he made a deal with the devil or that he is the devil? He is. The, he's kind of the devil, but he's also been enlightened. Like, uh, I, I took a couple of lines out. I'm going to start adding the back end. He's always quoting Marcus Aurelius, and then he'll do Dante, and then so on, and then different philosophers, and even uh, uh, citing like Copernicus, and like he's because he studied math. He's really quite bright, and that's why you'll find out later on that he makes everyone rich because he understands numbers. He understands the stock market. He's really well. He, he he's really good on a computer. You'll see. I mean, he's really, he put his time to good use in prison, and it makes him, you know, cut a formidable opponent. But he tries to avoid, I mean, the only time he gets physical with anyone, except with poor Fred in the beginning, which, you know, I, I thought that guy was fantastic. When I hit him with a bottle and the way he fell down, I said, this guy has to be part of the mob forever. So we make him part of the gang. He's like Fred. So we elevate him from that to something like he's like my bodyguard. It's going to be great. But no, I, I think that his, his, he starts out as a devil, and actually he, eventually you're going to see his daughter, and he has to change. And he really does start to become enlightened. And he realizes, like, I'm, he, I hate who I am, but it's a little old right now to find a new profession. I'm just not going to be, but I won't be vicious about it. I'm not, I'm not a killer. So he'll, he'll continue to do his nefarious things. But in the context of what's going on, like, he's not violent. 
except once. <laughs> and then he's really violent. So obviously Dwight has been in prison for 25 years. So as an actor, when you read that and you're playing this, and this is kind of like your first 10 episode long television show, how did you prep for that? Because there's so many comments and jokes that he makes in terms of the world that he hasn't seen for 25 years. Ah, good question. The preparation is that actually is not far off from the truth because just what, as I think I'm getting to use an iPhone, I realize it's almost obsolete. You know, the, they've got it, it, it keeps progressing. Like I have no idea. I can I, I watch my daughters and I'm in constant denial about how archaic I am. But so as long as I keep I don't try to outsmart the audience. I bring up a few times, for example, you'll <laughs> I bring up these old TV shows, things that I can relate to that everyone like a disco and excuse me, but I thought I'm still being hip. The thing is to really embrace your awkwardness. And so I never try to be hip. I just try to be functional, but I'm never going to be like, like Tyson, this guy here, he's really smart and you're going to see him evolve to actually he's going to become a little competitive, that kind of thing. So everyone's evolving but me, I'm devolving. I want to be, I just want to play with my grandchildren, seriously, and, and make a few bucks. I, I'm not interested in being like this ambitious killer at all. This show is the funniest I've seen in a while in a genre like this. What was it like at this point in your career to be able to embrace that side of yourself and not have to be like a macho man? It is the most liberating feeling because I never thought it was ever going to happen. When I used to tell people, like, I said, you know, Rambo's a performance. I'm not really that monosyllabic and dark and petulant. And I really don't talk like Rocky either, you know. I, I, and But people always assume that's who I am. This one, finally, it's liberating because this is who I am, for real. I mean, I'm in between takes, whatever. It's always the Dwight guy, but that's because this is how I talk. This is how I roll. And I thought, let me just see if this works. If it bombs, then I know I have a shitty personality. Okay. If it works, I go, ah, it may be, ah, it, finally. Because I've always been the class clown my whole life. Believe me. I, that's why I went to 13 schools in 12 years. I just am very, very hyperactive. And I just thought I'd try to put it in this character to see if it flies. Dwight is coming out of prison after 25 years. He's getting a second chance. What does having a second chance mean to you? And have you ever experienced that in your life? You've hit a subject. This is the topic and the subject that fascinates me the most because it's it's one that we we constantly seek, which is redemption. We all make these carnal mistakes. God forbid, whether it be, you know, you married a girlfriend, this, the wrong jobs, whatever it is, a parent relationship, and you go, God, could I just get a second shot at this? And this is a perfect uh, vehicle, perfect format for that's my philosophy in life. So Dwight, I'm always drawing on the way I feel because I feel like I've made so many mistakes, probably I'm feeling more guilty about it than I should because I have this persecution complex, you know, but it pays off. It's good for writing, the persecution complex. So Dwight's sense of redemption 
is a journey that I have been on many, many, many times. I just try to make it not so lugubrious or so morbid. I try to make it, all right, he sort of laughs at himself, you know, laughing on the inside, crying on the outside. Kind of, I reverse that. He's laughing on the outside, but inside he's, he's a little torn up. And that will become much more apparent when my daughter finally pops into the scene here. I just wanted to say 50 years ago this month, you were filming The Lord of Flatbush. I wondered if you had any reflection on that experience. I do. Uh, that was what you call a real handmade kind of film where, oh, did we raise $15,000? Okay, we can shoot for another month and not shoot for three months, gain about 20 pounds, go back, lose it again. It, was, it took about two and a half years to make that. And it was funded by a dentist. And it was one of those kind of handmade films. And your pay was you get to keep your motorcycle jacket. That's like, there was not even SAG. It was amazing. But that was the first time. And actually, I'm talking about real locations where I got to test out my writing in, in some of the dialogue scenes. I went, oh, not so bad. So it, it, it also was done by Marty Davidson and Steve Verona, who were really great because god <laughs> and there's so many characters like originally it was de niro was involved or richard Gere was involved and a guy named michael moriarty was involved and they kept coming and going and coming and going and it turned out the way it did but it was it was an extraordinary experience i mean really talk about just stealing locations being chased by people i mean it was for real it was great Next up is Vincent Piazza and A.C. Peterson. Vincent, how would you describe your character that you've played, and how much trouble will he be in with Dwight this season? Vince Antonacci is a, a capo who is pretty reflective alongside Chicky and Vernizzi, who's played by Dominic Lombardozzi, as like kind of a uh, the decline of the mafia. These are products of inheritance. They haven't, they didn't make their bones on the street like characters like A.C. Peterson plays, like uh, like Pete or, or Dwight had to do. These are guys that had received. Uh, and, um, you know, the great, the great irony, I guess, is that, you know, you, you, you break the rules, but then you expect the rules to be there for you. Um, you know, uh, so, yeah, I think... Um, It'll be interesting to see how he resolves this grievance. We see Vince and Pete throughout season one. What's the most exciting part about playing these characters? For me, um, um, playing a character who seems very heartfelt and sincere, but who is completely devious on self-interest. That, that's a lot to work with. You can really sit in that, like a warm bath. You can sit in that. It makes uh, the playing of the role... Uh, effortless which is what i like yeah it was uh it was a lot of fun and and to get to work with someone like ac day in and day out and of course sly and dominic and chris caldavino uh the pedigree of of the people on set the intensity uh the humility uh it made for a really great sandbox to play in taylor sheridan is kind of known for his prep so did taylor or terrence make you guys take like a mobster 101 class or how did you guys prepare for your roles in in situations like this um where you're working with some of the best in the world uh you've you've been hired for who you are right that there's that deepest understanding with working with great directors that you are totally loved you are embraced 
we, you know, it's like we have brought you here because of who you are, every jot and tittle, and we love you to your very soul. So uh, it's assumed that you you have it all going on. No horse riding. On the superficial note, yes. we did have a lot of steak dinners. Yes, we did. There were a lot of cigarettes smoked. Yes. And a lot of wine drank. Yes. So there was that to kind of fill kind of fill the, uh, I don't know, capillaries, if that's a thing. But, you know, especially while we're off in uh, Oklahoma, it was uh, it was nice to circle up as a group of neurotic New Yorkers. Yeah, with this, with this caliber of talent, this, the, 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 stew, the stew is, is, is simmering. <laughs> For your characters, is there going to be a lot of struggle between everyone in terms of trying to take over? Which is the right way to go? Who is the boss? Will we see a lot of kind of struggle throughout the season between these characters? I don't know. It's like never wake a sleepwalker, you know, like getting Dwight out of prison and this very kind of sleepy family that has things well oiled and kind of in place by the wars you fought that AC has fought as Pete and Dwight had fought. And then suddenly someone comes out who's hungry. Uh, it's going to ripple through everyone and everything. It's going to throw things off balance in a way that there's a fine balance held. So what's going to happen now? It's a it's observing and maintaining uh, the control of your organization, not losing it. Did you guys do a lot of on the job training to make your characters more realistic? And how do you do that? How do you make your characters look so realistic on the show? Oh my God! I I mean, if I can, I mean, I'm assuming this is for both of us. I mean, it was me the the sponge receiving uh, what he was uh, what he was putting out. I mean, he came heavily armed and prepared. Uh, and uh, was uh, was a joy. I was saying earlier, you know, one of the great things, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with some heavyweights, but I, I very rarely have ever seen anyone be able to just like on action, light up like, you know, Times Square and uh, just be incredibly magnetic, energetic and imposing. Uh, yeah, it's really, really awesome. Yeah, and it, it all it all happens in the give and take in front of the camera. I make very few decisions before. I I have some ideas, but I've learned the most important thing and where the magic happens is to be totally open to whatever is happening uh, in front of the camera. And that takes a, a particular kind of actors. And that this is the kind of actors I was in the presence of, um, Stallone included. Uh, the give and take you discover it as it's happening that's the most exciting thing with your character vince we don't quite get to see a ton of charm with him in the beginning what are some hidden depths of vince that we didn't get the chance to see that you might be able to talk about or tease a little bit without giving any spoilers away you know vince is uh you know lucky would roll over in his grave if he knew a guy was a capo you know uh, one represents the formation of this rules-based system and then you have a guy who's at the very deterioration of a rules-based system. So whatever romanticism and glamour that existed when this was being put together, at least in this telling, uh, these guys aren't, uh, you know, maybe deep in the DNA, in the recesses of Vince, uh, you know, we're going to get to see uh, some of what makes him so, you know, virile and, and dangerous. Uh, but right now, uh, you know, uh, the lights are just coming on. So, uh, so yeah, 
we'll, we'll see where his journey goes. What was it like when you first heard that you were going to be working with Sylvester Stallone? Like stepping on set, this is going to be someone you're going to kind of have to go toe to toe with in episodes. And were there any type of preparation or conversations on set as you guys were working through scenes? For me, it, it was more and for the situation, it's more about. So let's see what happens after they say action. Let's be wide open to allow the discovery to occur of, of who we are to each other and who we are as characters. So that, that to me is the magic. Inventing it as you, you discover it as it happens with no, try to have few preconceptions as possible and be wide open to the discovery. Because the, most, the greatest thing you can do as an actor is to be uh, discovering it as the same time the audience is. That's magic. And and to go further, I would say he's uh, Mr. Stallone is in disarmingly genuine, and brings uh, an availability uh, that few actors in his position might bring. Uh, you know, he's just there for that engagement that uh, that AC is describing. There's a lot of love there. There's a lot of love. The love of this craft is art of acting. That's right. That's what we hand it all over to. In the world of Entertainment Mafia, can you talk to us a little bit about Pete? How would you describe him in a way that we can understand what his character is going to be like this season? He's a comedy Don. Comedy Don. Still very dark, you know. The grin uh, of an alligator. Comedy Don. AC, this question's for you. Did you find something that you didn't even expect from your character over the 10-episode run that you guys did this season? Always. That's what you're always trying to do. Every scene, you're trying to go in and discover something you didn't know about the character. That's the whole game. Then it's, and then it's the best. Then it's the best. AC, were there certain moments that happened and right away you were like, that's it, that's the moment for me? And Vincent, were there certain times for you on set when you had the same feeling where you were like, yes, we just got it? I resist that feeling because um, I feel like it would stifle discovery. If I just say that's it, then what I've done is just ruled out what the possibilities are for every other shot. And because the nature of film you know, you might get it in one angle that's completely unusable and you need to keep searching. You need to keep, uh, so my, my thing is to try and never celebrate a win and never mourn a loss. Uh, just let, allow what happened to be. Um, maybe clock little morsels of it that I could try and incite again. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm terrified of saying that's it. <laughs> There's discover there's a haws along the way. You're getting hints. You're always trying to discover every single moment, you know. So Sly noted that he spent a lot of time off script and kind of just went with the flow. I'm wondering how that impacted all of you. I guess did it change any of your characters along the way in response to what he did? Freedom. It's about freedom, but freedom of expression, freedom to follow the impulses as they come up. So yeah, so that was uh, I felt mu mutually encouraged. Until we got a memo where it said, hey, hey, wait a minute, we're losing the plot here. So we were really given a lot of rope, and it was also brought to our attention when uh, maybe we need to pull it back a little bit. So that's a nice balance to have. You feel you're in good hands when that's happening, where it's like you're allowed to go, and then, okay, let's go this way. So that's what being a director is about, being a creator is all about, too, to keep an eye on that so we don't lose the plot. 
Vincent, did you relish in the fact that you're one of the only handful of actors to be knocked out by Rocky on screen? I won't make any bones about it. It's one of the reasons I signed up for the job. You know, already on page five, you got me. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a joy. I mean, again, it was uh, it was breaking through uh, glass to like get to work opposite uh, Sly and and um, uh, you know into play and 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 to uh, you know be part of that long cinematic lineage of of him uh, <laughs> using his fists. What are you both looking forward to the most with the show coming out? Is there anything you guys can talk about or tease? What are you hoping fans are most excited for to see? I don't know. My mine is overall like uh, there's nothing. Uh, I guess the most selfish thing in it is I just want people to laugh, have fun, you know, not get so heady about TV. I think the show's a crowd pleaser. I think there's something in it for everyone. Um, you know, I, that's not to say it's it's short on intelligence, because believe me, there's a lot of really interesting social dynamics that are actually happening. There's a lot of truth in it, but um, but it's fun, and uh, and I hope people go along for the ride. For me, the best thing about a dark comedy is when people laugh when they shouldn't. You know, that's <laughs> yeah. that's that was exciting for me. I was wondering if there were any points behind the scenes where you had a hard time gathering yourselves because the scenes are so funny. Well, we laughed a lot. You know, it certainly got goofy at times, which is great. Like, hilariously funny. Yeah. Plus, all, all of these individuals are very funny people with crazy senses of humor. So, yeah. Yeah, Sly, Sly would riff uh, a lot of ad libs. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there were a lot of moments that he wanted the scene to continue. So, you know, maybe it's resolved, you think, at the end of the page, but he'll keep taking it. And as an actor, you're obligated to keep going where it's going to go. You so want we to. Would, we would take these long walks that got so fun and absurd uh, that we just, you know, we, we, the cut would finally be mercifully yelled and we, we just started laughing. You guys kind of created a brotherhood where it's almost like a surrogate family. How did that come across by the time you guys were finished? And how close is everybody now that you guys are done? Uh, I mean, that was one of the great joys. I mean, uh, you know, AZ was talking earlier about um, being on location, getting in a new environment. You know, it was almost like all of us were in this vacuum together, this away game. Uh, where we get to lean on each other and spend all this extra extracurricular time getting to know each other. And I feel like then the stuff we get to bring on camera, there's so much more intimacy, there's so much more comfort, uh, you know, and, and I was lucky enough to know a few of the actors already and I've worked with them and, and Terry and like, it was just, yeah, it, it was an ideal, you know, working environment, truly. Yeah, it's a deeper understanding, developing those friendships outside that degree of comfort. And uh, all of these actors were superlative, very sort of emanating from uh, New York, from the whole the idea of realism, that actor's studio kind of idea that what we're trying to do is be very real here. And if that's understood, it again becomes very uh, effortless, effortless to explore and allow things to happen, allow the spontaneity to occur, allow the discovery to occur between action and cut. A lot of you guys talked about freedom. So I wanted to know in terms of directors, writers, and people that came in, how were they with allowing you that freedom and space to kind of be open in front of the camera? Because it seems like it was a magical thing for you guys on the show to make that work. I think we were fortunate. I mean, every director that came on, you know, was with the program. Like, they really 
allowed us. They gave us a long rope, and they were so familiar with the writing and the characters. And, the, you know, with Terry at the helm, he created this almost seamless episode-to-episode -episode, uh, dynamic with his writers. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't notice a stark contrast from one to the next. We, we were generally given a lot of freedom to create these characters. And it is often the case with the series that uh, as you discuss, you're developing it as you go along. So I felt uh, we were given free, free reign to do again that discovery and that exploration and uh, contribute, contribute our creativity to the whole picture. Up next is Dana Delaney and Max Casello. Dana, I'm quite intrigued by your character, Margaret, and how she gets along with Dwight. Can you talk to us a little bit about the backstory you've given her and about their connection? What Terry Winter told me um, was that uh, Margaret was a character that was going to be more developed in the second season. But in the first season, uh, she runs this horse ranch in Oklahoma where Max's character, Armin, works. And Sly comes work or Dwight comes looking for him at, at my ranch, and uh, he claims that he's a private investigator, but it's a little fishy, uh, especially with his alligator shoes and his shark skin suit. So I'm not quite sure what's going on, and I don't trust him. But as uh, Dwight and Margaret get to know each other, there's a bit of a flirtation, there's a bit of a dance, and then it starts to become who's using who. We don't quite know where it's going, but it's definitely going someplace different. Were there any funny or cool behind the scenes stories that happened while you both were filming on set? I almost got trampled to death by a horse. Did you? Dana? We're so focused on getting it done that I don't think we had a lot of time to play, did we? No, no. I mean, you know, obviously there's this downtime on sets, you know, where you just, you know, bored. But uh, yeah. no, I mean, uh, all the fun was had in front of the cameras. Yeah, I think for me, the last episode, um, uh, there's a moment where Stallone's character has to get on a horse. And that was interesting because the poor man has had so many operations from all the stunts that he's done that uh, it, it was it was a bit of a, uh, yeah. yeah he it was did a, it, though. He did it, he did it. But it, it was a bit of, a, you know, oh, my God, be careful, you know, because... Uh, it's not easy getting on a horse, as we learned. <laughs> I just want to talk about the fact that you were both very well-established voice actors. Was anybody on set daring enough to do a Sylvester Sloan impression? Not while he was around. He all did around. it when he wasn't around. <laughs> you know, we would, yeah. like, get together, me, Dominic, Vinny, Chris, Calvino. We'd, we'd run lines. We'd learn lines together. And somebody inevitably would have to read Sly's lines. <laughs> And Vinny would always like to slide, you know, that, 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 you know, that famous Stallone cadence, but never in front of the band. So I want to know, in terms of Margaret and Armad, what was it like for you guys developing them and kind of working on the ranch, learning all of that, but having to balance sort of getting pulled into the mom mentality with the drama and everything that comes along with that? Well, it's great when you get to work outside because you don't have to do a lot of acting. It's, you know, it's not it's not a set. It's real life. It actually was a working ranch and it was gorgeous. Beautiful. Yeah. And you have horses and you get the smells and you get the shit and all that stuff. So that kind of is makes it so much easier. Uh, for me, it, the hardest thing was getting back on a horse because people, I've done a lot of Westerns, people think I ride and I don't. So I just decided on this, I was going to get over that because obviously for some reason I need to be on a horse because it keeps happening. <laughs> 
So um, I just I tell the story that before I went to Oklahoma, Chloe Webb, who was on China Beach with me, has become a horse therapist, wherein she uses horses for emotional therapy, and she works with you know vets. I mean, like you know military vets or people who are scared of horses, and horses are great for therapy. They really are because they they feel everything. They're prey, and the reason they feel everything is because they're wondering what's, who's going to attack them next. So um, I took I had a session with Chloe up in Malibu, and I cried like a baby. And you realize that the horse is as scared as you are. And um, I got on the horse again, and I rode, and I, I'm over it. So it was kind of a fantastic thing for me. I'm de definitely afraid of them. You know, I, I mean, I, I never wanted to cross behind the horse. I was told that, you know, if you go behind the horse, you have to never break uh, contact with it, with your hand on their body. But um, I just, like, was deathly afraid of getting kicked. Yeah. Um, I had to, I didn't have to ride, but I did have to a couple of times walk a horse across, you know, the, the pasture, whatever, from point A to point B. And it was probably the, the hardest thing, just that simple thing. I was, like, drenched in sweat. It was 110 degrees out. And, you know, your instinct is to, like, look at this. If you don't know any, what you're doing, if you've never been around a horse, you're leading the horse, you want to, my instinct is to, like, look at it, you know, to, and, but, you know, someone who does it every single day of their life, they're just walking it. It's natural. Um, that thing is so big and strong, <laughs> and I'm not a big guy. It was everything I could do, like, just to, like, Looked like I wasn't struggling, that it was perfectly normal. I was drenched in sweat. I mean, I never was such, I couldn't believe how hard it was to simply walk a horse. For someone like me, a city kid who's never been around horses like ever, um, and to look like I've been doing this like my whole life and it's perfectly natural. The poor guy, it was a complicated shot. I think we had like three cameras going at once. Probably, yeah. And he had to do it over and over again. And, oh my God, the sweat was just pouring off. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was literally 110 degrees in the shade. Yeah. Very, very hot. What do you think will be the most surprising thing about seeing Tulsa King for people who are just wondering what it's about? I think how funny it is. I think... Uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah, I think that uh, because it's a Taylor Sheridan show, that there's a certain kind of mythic seriousness to the West, you know? And I think that Stallone and Terry's humor, dark humor, yeah, brings a whole other thing to it. So I think it's kind of a great combination of dark and light. I mean, Terry Winter is one of the funniest guys, one of the funniest storytellers. I mean, verbally, when you're just with him and he's just telling a story, he's hysterical. And uh, from his time on The Sopranos right through through Tulsa King, he's he's really knows how to like nail the the hysterically funny you know, absurdities, particularly in mob culture and mob life, but in in, in regular everyday life. So the show is actually. It's a drama, but it is unexpectedly hilarious at times. Max, is there anything about your character that you sort of adjusted or made changes about in particular that you wanted to make sure made it on the show or anything about your character that you kind of wanted to tweak? No, I mean, I the, the writing was so great. You didn't have to do that. But I did, you know, my usual, you know, actor job of um, building in a backstory and context and stuff like that. But no, I mean... Um, when you're lucky enough to get great material like this, that you don't have to do that. That's when you're working on something that's like a real piece of dreck that you like. You have to like create it, and then you end up making a bad writer look good by you know 
deftly, you know, making things, making, you know, dialogue that's not natural, making it natural by improvising and doing it. But that wasn't necessary for this. What did you both love most about being on set for this show in particular and playing these characters? I think it's because it was such a great cast. And the crew. The crew were great. Too. I mean, just loved yeah. everybody at work yeah. from, from all the way down the line, every single person on set. I mean, I'd never had that much fun on a set, maybe ever. It was wonderful. I mean, we were there for six months almost. And a lot of us were misplaced, you know, New Yorkers and Los Angelinos, and we all just had each other. Um, and there wasn't much to do outside of work, so I was always just couldn't wait to get to work where I'd be around my friends, you know, and get to play with this great character and this great writing and Sly and everybody. Um, that was the best thing about it. We differ on this. I like discovering Oklahoma. <laughs> And I had a lot of downtimes. Mm -hmm. I did go to the Bad Boy Museum, and I recommend the First Americans Museum. Um, I got some good ones. You can knock those out in the first 48 hours. <laughs> it's funny. Taylor brings maybe like a southern western charm, and Terrence Winter brings a little bit of an east coast cynicism. So Armad seems like a perfect mix. He seems like a man cut between both worlds. Do you struggle with either aspect of that as an actor? No, that made it easy. You know, I'm not playing a native Oklahoman, and I probably wouldn't be cast as one. No, I mean... It was perfectly, like, almost like it could have been written for me. I think uh, it was written for you. <laughs> displaced New Yorker. He's just, he's just, uh, he's living there for 19 years, and he's planted the flag for himself and started a family. And, uh, but he's from, he's from Brooklyn. And, uh, but, you know, I look good in this cowboy hat and the boots and the, you know, the belt buckle and all that stuff I got to wear and working but, with but the horses. But you got to see what's great. He's got the cowboy hats in the booth, but then he's wearing his Elvis Presley gold sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got a little bit of, the, little bit of the, the Brooklyn thing still going on, you know. A lot of the actors from the show today have said that a big element for them in filming was freedom. Freedom to kind of be able to say what they wanted or improvise. So for you guys, did you have that same experience or did you kind of stick to the script? Not uh, it was well, not encouraged. Well it was not encouraged to no. improvise. Like there was a, like a <laughs> who have you been talking to? A memo it, went out. Yeah, I mean, I've been so trained to respect the word that it's kind of like when people start it's like, oh, are we doing that? Okay, you know. The thing is, I like, Sly inherently loves to improvise, and so you go along with it. You know, you have to. Yeah, Otherwise, he's a you're writer. not. Yeah, you're not going to not play off somebody who's doing something different. You know, but it's always. It's never gone like off the rails. I don't know if Terry would agree with that, but you know, I only improvise if I'm trying to make bad writing better or if there's a moment that just seems like I just want to massage it a little bit, but you don't really have to do that with Terry's writing. It's like only doing yourself a disservice. You're going to miss out if you improvise something. That's You're going to a yeah. joke's not going to land that would have been freaking brilliant, you know. And you're only cutting your own legs off if you do that. So I, I never wanted to particularly improvise. What is the most important thing we need to know about your characters? I think for Margaret um, is that not as all as it seems, that you think she's just this woman who really likes horses, but that she might have another agenda because there's an ex-husband somewhere that is really a problem. So I think that uh, she, she's not just the nice horse lady. I think Armand is uh, uh, one of these people who is completely living a, a lie he's he's a very repressed guy um he ran away from trouble and is pretending to 
the, you know, a, a very quiet guy living under the radar and Sly's character Dwight shows up and sort of blasts a hole into, into that. And Armin is forced to um, deal with who he is, deal with his past, deal with consequences. Uh, his wife has no, had no idea about his background. Um, and it sort of just blows a hole in, in his very safe, shallow existence. And finally, here's Garrett Headland and Jay Will. Garrett, this is such a great role for you. I'm curious about Mitch's relationship with his father. He mentioned that they didn't have such a great relationship when they were growing up, but he still feels obligated to take care of him. Do you think that's in the Tulsa culture or is it something that you and Taylor really talked about in terms of a backstory? That's a, that's a two-part explanation. There's um, um, first, that's father-son dynamic in general for me. Um, um, secondly, I remember there was a line, I wonder if it was like a J.R. Milranger thing or something like that, it said, uh, um, you can be a father's boy or a mama's boy or a daddy's boy, but you can't be both. You tend to lean towards the one you feel you're going to lose. Um, you know, he's just, uh, uh, mom's not around anymore. Uh, he's taking care of his father. His father fought hard. Uh, for the country is a is a veteran, aging veteran. He's he's trying to figure out the best way he can handle all of this. It's, it's not been the easiest journey. It hasn't been the the greatest cards he's been dealt. He's come out sort of freshly from prison himself. My character Mitch um, has had quite the roller coaster of a life prior to this, and it's just it's a little introduction here to to these characters' lives and what they're dealing with at the point of when. Sylvester's character comes to Tulsa. So you're getting to see these relatable characters in their life and in their environment and then see Sly come in and sort of, you know, flip it on its edge with with um, what their relationships become and, and where it can lead to through through slight dangerous opportunity. Are there any mob shows or films you both love watching? I don't know if this is a mob show. I mean, it sure is. It sure is. I'll qualify it as, but American Gangster with uh, Denzel for me is like, <laughs> that was like, okay, I want to be like that. Yeah, it's um, Sopranos. That's like, come on now, you can't. But again, it's like, this is uh, unique in itself. I'm going to go Coppola, Can't Touch the Old Godfather. You know, you pay, you package in all the heroes of heroes cinematically into one. I mean, it's undeniable, you know, be around forever. Garrett, what do you think that Mitch gets from Dwight in terms of their surrogate kind of father-son relationship? And what did you get out of your off-screen relationship with Sylvester Stallone? When Sylvester's character Dwight and my character Mitch get real about their father-son dynamics, I think Dwight opens them up to a little enlightenment of, of Dwight reveals how he made a mistake with his father. And while my father is presently there and I'm dealing with this sort of conflict or struggle with the decisions I'm forced to make or should I or shouldn't I to make things easier on myself, I get to take a look at it from, from uh, the bleachers. You know, I get to pan back and sort of see that that time is precious and, and, um, and to um, maybe I can endure what seems like a struggle in order to do the best thing for not only my father, but for myself down the line. If something were to happen to him, I don't have regrets. I've known Sly since I was 18. Um, I walked into Gunner, Gunner Peterson's gym. Um, he was my trainer when I was just about to start Troy. 
And Sly was on the ceiling rope, climbing up it with his legs jacked out, uh, you know, going up and down. And he'd always been supportive and, and like he'd taken me under his wing on that one. He always asked what I was up to, what I was shooting now, how this shoot went, how that shoot went. It's kind of unreal because you got the world's hero in there being, you know, a sense of support. And to come on to this one and, and collaborate with him, you know, uh, make light of the light stuff, but to bring a little heart to to those scenes that reveal a little relatability, can tug at your heartstrings to play with that was a dream. But um, he's always a motivator. He's He's got a lot of years behind him. He's, he's had a lot of successes. Uh, he's, he rightfully admits his mistakes. He tr he's, he's open at um, telling you to, telling me how to go with the flow and try and avoid the rocks. Um, that's, what, that's what Sly's always done for me, and I, and I cherish him for that. In terms of preparation, when you get a script, did you create a backstory for each of your characters? And then did you end up kind of translating that on screen? Or did you guys make adjustments as you went? The way I stepped into Tyson's character, I just uh, kept it simple. Because I knew that it would reveal itself. It's not much you got to do with these lines. All you got to do really is... Uh, I, don't, I don't like to, to, to focus too much on the backstory because I, you know, I, I, I start to lose sight of what's in front of me. You know, you got, you know, the lines are being sent to you and you, you just react to it, you know, and most of the time the writing lends itself. You know, you create your own backstory in the first episode, maybe a little bit, but for me it was like, you know, I think it revealed itself by episode two. I knew how I could expect and I, you know, I think also it was unique because, you know, we weren't, I don't think I was cast this role for any you know, for, for, for no reason. <laughs> like, this was a specific reason. They they saw Tyson in me before, and it was like, oh, he already is the backstory. <laughs> like, he already, you know, so I, you know, I possibly, that might be the case, but I didn't focus too much on that, but it's a, it's a you know, some actors may. Backstory and the writing was there. Got on with David Glasser and Terrence Winter, and they're telling me about the project. They sent over the first four scripts. The backstory was there. The, 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 the rest of the episodes were yet to come, but it was it was a great platform to take off from and see where it could go from there. And that was that was really enough for me. I, I was shooting something um, um, at the beginning that that um, uh, I was committed to. So, you know, yeah, I didn't I didn't have to come in and do anything funky like, you know, uh, my character only wears two left footed boots or. You know, female underwear because it feels uncomfortable. I it was it was all there for me. Tyson seems like the perfect sidekick for Dwight. Why do you think this arrangement works so well? I think it's it's just similar boundaries. I think similar boundaries. It's like that that just kind of drew it together. We both are hungry for. It's it's actually crazy that the chapter that he's in in his life is very similar to the new chapter that I'm in my life. You know, he has. A new life. He's stepping into something new, new territory, a new place, new way of people, new social life, new um, new love life. And it's like, um, oh, okay. So how can I adapt here? For me, as Tyson, this is a new possibility, new job, new occupation, new friends, new. Um, you know, it's it's and it expands from there. So it's just the land of newness, and we're both green right now. In the beginning, it starts off very fresh. We don't know how um, 
we don't know how it's going to turn out, but I think one thing we both have in common is that we're brave enough to just put our put our foot down and head first and just step up in it. Jay, you have such an interesting relationship with your on-screen father, Michael Beach. What's the history that they've discussed with you about their relationship? Because his father seems to be a bit concerned about his new path that Tyson's taking. We're losing sleep. I know my mama losing sleep over me. No, and it's like, um, it's again, it's like trusting that whatever source is going to protect your seed, you know, when you're not there. Um, and, 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 and trusting that you, you didn't, it's crazy. My mother just, uh, not just, but it's my mother tells other mo- mothers this now, which is big because she wasn't even like this. You, 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 your child comes so you can give them away and so they can live their own life. And like a lot of parents don't really understand that. They really, you know want to keep their kid in the full Nelson for the rest of their life. And that's really not, you know, how it's really going to go, you know, so. Your mom continues to just amaze me with. My mama is that I mean, that's straight out of Khalil Gibran's The Prophet, where he's like, your your children come through you, but not from you. You know, give them your love, but not your thoughts. I mean, your mom's just on top of everything. My mom, my mom. Look, watch out for my mom. He relayed a line she said before about, you know, you can give somebody all of your trust until they wreck it or you can make them earn it. And I'm like, man, Mama, Mama Will's just got to get in here with us or in the show. She need to be up in here just just, just wisdom, just flicking it everywhere. But Michael is a, is a good, is a good legendary, honestly. He's, um, his flowers should have been given to him and I give them to him now in this, in this session here. He's, he's like... He puts the work in, and he's honest, and he's truthful, and it's it's raw, and it's it's like the discipline this guy has. You know, I got in there, and I didn't really. It was one scene, you know, where it got uh, the chords really started to really, you know, it started. It was distorted, you know. It, things got kind of, you know, up, you know, up there, and I didn't have to do much as the actor preparing for this because he gave me what I was looking for. You know, he. He's the uh, scene partner every actor wants to play with because it's like, you don't got to do nothing. You don't have to do anything. You just have to just step up in there and just receive, receive it all because you, you're going to react to what they're going to give you. And that's like, that's just a goldmine for an actor. What did you both love about being on the show and about playing these specific roles? Like I said, it was about being, you know, on board the ship that, that Terrence Winter and Taylor Sheridan are, are steering. This cast, everybody's at the top of their game. Every everybody's so ripe for all these characters, and I can't wait to explore every facet of it with them. That's it. I, I just think it's going to be one of the most exciting uh, shows on on television. So um, it's the dream team. So uh, you know, I'm excited to see where it goes with this um, with this crew. And that's not bluff. I honestly think it's going to be like one of the top notch shows out here because of the. Uh, it's the relatability for me. It's the uh, it's the truth for me, and it's like it's it's so unique. Again, you don't see too many mob shows in the Midwest. I'm really loving seeing this kind of off-screen friendship that you two have. So please tell me that at some point in the season, we get to see Tyson and Mitch kind of become brothers as well. I hope I hope they see it outside outside the camera and be like, oh, there's there's a little something. Let me let me see if we can put a little mission in the script. Y'all go, you know sell this or go pick that little package up here you know who knows but maybe yeah i don't know if it becomes a situation where we're uh finishing uh each other's uh nope guess they won't
<laughs> finish each other's sentences. I mean, look, it, who knows? I don't know. It, it works. It works itself out. This is jeez. I'll be honored to work there. with this guy that here. Was a test to see if you get the road. I failed all tests. That's why I'm an actor. I couldn't have been a doctor. I couldn't have been a lawyer. I got. I just keep it real. I'm not. I'm not a test guy. Don't test me. I'm just taking it personally now. Like. A great guy here. As characters for Mitch and Tyson, how would you describe their journey throughout season one? Describe the journey. I guess on this, we can only really touch on episode one and two. Um, unfortunately, we can only really touch on this nice little introduction that you get to the characters. And you get to see, you know, they're, they're set up on these platforms quite quickly for you to understand what their current situations are. Obviously, locals, Tulsa, Oklahoma. My character, bull rider, ex-bull rider, ex-convict, ex-guy with some some uh, pill-popping issues, got a tricky um, situation with, you know, um, with, his, with his aging father. Um, it's just a platform for you guys to get the gist kind of quite quickly and give the opportunity to explore in all the further episodes. Couldn't be more excited to... to um, have the audience to see where it goes from here. Couldn't be more excited to see where it could knock on wood potentially go from here as well. So Tyson is again, it's it's all green for him. It's new. It's like he's ready to step up in something. I don't I don't want to spell too much on three, four to ten, but it's just a land of opportunity. It's new. It's, it's like the land of milk and honey before you're like you see what an illusion it might be. Is it the real thing? Um, it's what I've been waiting for. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the cast of Tulsa King talk about their new crime show. The show is available now on Paramount Plus, so make sure you go and check it out. And don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you're updated on all of our latest podcasts. And head over to our YouTube channel, hit subscribe, so you're updated on all of our video content.